Welcome to What Do You Think? I'm Al. And I'm C. And today on this episode... And I'm Al. <laughs> oh, well, yep. Yeah, well, uh, yes, uh, we have a very special guest. Uh, hopefully, are, are you a long-time listener, M? Um, no, I'm not a long-time listener. I only just got the link to an episode a few days ago as of this recording. Okay, whose fault yeah, is that? Is, is that your fault? fault? That's, that's your C's fault. fault. <laughs> that's C's fault because apparently I never... So there's a lot of things I've become very forgetful around with M, even though we talk regularly about our thoughts on uh, the Academy Awards and different movies. There's just things that leave my memory. And Clegg, I was calling him the wrong name for a minute for some reason. Don't know why I did that but also wait uh, what uh never mind it was that was you you were there when i accidentally called you uh, someone else's name twice in one night but anyways this is oh yeah i remember that. that this isn't about that point is i'm forgetful about the most random weird crap you never mentioned to a fellow cinephile that we had a film review podcast no al i did not um, mention- not exactly so he did so he did mention that you guys had a podcast. And he never he shared it with didn't you? send me the actual <laughs> Oh, link. my God. Yeah. I, I'm so yeah. sorry, Em. I'm so, so sorry. Um, but anyway. It, it's okay. All is forgiven. All right. Good. So, uh, Em, this is your first time on the podcast. Uh, how about, you know, uh, just tell a little bit about yourself in regards to, like, your, your kind of your love of movies. Uh, just kind of quick, like, three-minute, like, like, introduction to you. I guess is the best way to say it. And like, uh, you know, like the stuff you like. And uh, I, have you gotten a chance to look at the stuff we've reviewed so far? Uh, some of it. I listened to your Killers of the Flower Moon review. I was disappointed <laughs> to hear that. Oh, oh, well, well, okay. How about this? <laughs> to hear that you all how, how about weren't this? fans. How, how about this? Um, uh you know, give us a little introduction about yourself, about your love of movies or, or your, you know, your, your life with movies. And then just quick, like couple movies of last year that you really enjoyed. Well, one of them was killers of the flower moon. Um, (laughs) That like that, the others I would really like to highlight were poor things, which I had to drive all the way down to LA to go see, because for some reason it still hasn't gone wide yet. Don't know why, but, and also, I mean, it was the biggest movie event of last year, but Barbenheimer, I thought both of those movies were surprisingly excellent. Mm. Mm. Um, I did mention that I lit, I did mention LA, so I think that's a giveaway. I live in California. I moved out here to get closer to the film and television scene. I do have an industry job. I'm not going to give away what that job is here. But it does involve a lot of directing and editing. Nice. 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 And, and I live a couple hours north of L.A. And I have actually been to the official watch party for the Academy Awards twice. Yes, I was there that year. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to ask. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. <laughs> Well, uh, but yeah, please, my, uh, M, give us, uh, give us uh, a, a bit of a, a three-minute, two to three-minute summary of, of about yourself and or about your film. To how'd you get into movies, so to speak? Um, I guess it was sort of an accident. So, so earliest movie memory I can recall was watching Jurassic Park as a kid, and I've. And I think that's going to be a common one for a lot of people in our generation, but that's earliest mo- earliest childhood movie memory, and I always just wanted to know how they did that. Like, even before I decided I wanted to hold a camera and and tell stories through that, I was always trying to find other ways to tell stories or build sets with every single block in the box that's not an actual toy brand just like that that was always a big thing for me always finding ways to create characters or tell stories with my two sisters which my brother would always interrupt um had to do a lot of that in my head as well but i mean it was all fun it was all fun and good um always a bit of a social introvert but then i started taking acting classes in college and that actually really opened up my 
my um my social skills a lot more so it was act so even though i have no desire to get into acting proper just the knowledge of how to warm up for that helped me get in helped me be a better filmmaker as well so i think that's the base the base story of how m got in somehow found his way to the academy awards <laughs> somehow all very right nice. all right very nice okay so on this episode we're reviewing and we're reviewing and uh I, I, it's really good that we have like a, a guest uh, a guest for this episode because um this movie this movie is uh i guess can we say off kilter can, can we say that is that allowed the whole movie is yeah i think that's fair it's you're you're just watching you're just watching as you emotionally are entering more and more into a dutch angle uh but i would say it's unclear if this was um consent if that dutch angle at the end of the day was consensual <laughs> or not but we'll get to that in this in this <clears throat> review okay but what movie are we talking about Al? we are talking about todd haynes uh famed uh, director of i'm not there velvet goldmine and carol his latest called May December, starring Natalie Portman and a constant collaborator of Todd Haynes, uh, uh, Juliana Moore. Yes. yes <clears throat> so, yes. so what? Oh boy. So, or Julianne Moore. I don't know why I called her Julianne. <laughs> anyway, so Julianne Moore has been working with Todd Haynes since like his second movie, like in Far Night from Heaven. Yeah. Far from no 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 his his uh, second movie was Safe came out in ninety five. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that was basically the movie that kind of turned Julianne Moore into a star because that came out either the year before or the year after Boogie Nights. Um, so they worked together. It was two years before. Oh, okay, two years before. So, uh, see, did you ever get a chance to see Safe? No, I, I have not. Uh, M, how about you? I also have not seen Safe. <laughs> I have seen Far From Heaven... Carol, Wonderstruck, Dark Waters, and even his documentary he did a couple years ago, Velvet Underground. Isn't that like on Apple TV Plus or something? I believe it is. <clears throat> yeah, I think. Yes, it is. I think I saw like like the first like twenty minutes of that. Um, so so basically, uh, uh, his first uh, his first film, I believe, was uh, oh god, he made like a he made like a a short film with Barbies that like got a ton of like notice like in the late 80s and then uh, in 91 he comes out with poison and he kind of comes in with this wave of the early 90s with like a bunch of like uh uh like the the lgbt like filmmakers of the early 90s like with gus van sant um you know everyone's like heralding him is like oh the american queer cinema is here blah 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 and he follows poison up with safe which is julianne moore is basically this normal woman who skin basically gets sick exposed to natural air and slowly but surely she has to cover herself up with like a hazmat suit um and that's the best way i can describe it oh um God. so people were kind of like oh we thought this guy was like the second coming of or the coming of american queer cinema and he makes this weirdo movie but then he kind of comes back to what everyone was expecting him to do with velvet goldmine which has um uh, what's the name of that actor uh he was uh in the tutors i always forget his name mm. john rice davies i think Is i don't him? know i don't know. uh christian bale's in velvet goldmine too if i'm not mistaken is he really Yes, uh, M. Did you have you've seen Velvet Goldmine? Christian Bale's in that one, right? I, I have not seen Velvet oh. Good, Goldmine. Oh, who saw Velvet Goldmine? I almost said you did. I almost saw. I almost said Velvet Goodmine. Oh, okay, okay. No, you said Velvet Underground. Oh, I'm sorry. All yeah. right. Um, no, I almost said Velvet. Go I almost yeah. said Velvet Goodmine when I said Velvet. Uh, when I was trying to say Velvet Goldmine, but it was Velvet Underground okay. that I did see. Okay, okay. Um. So then he does Far From Heaven again with Julianne Moore. Yeah. Uh, she, I think she got some award notice for that one. She if, did. She did. Okay. I, she got I some award so. notice for that one. If she didn't, she absolutely should have. That one I haven't seen. I've not seen it's Far good. From Heaven. It's good. My first Todd Haynes film was actually I'm Not There. Literally, I just saw it just because of the poster. I was like, that looks cool. And then I was like so confused because I'm like, wait, are, are all these the same guy? I don't get it. <laughs> and uh, Christian Bale's in that one. That's his first work with uh, Kate Blanchett. Uh, mm -hmm. Heath Ledger's in that one. 
Um, and I'm it's not there. It's really cool. Yeah, Once you I'm, understand the reason, it's really cool. It's basically like I'm going to do a biopic of Bob Dylan where each of his eras is played by a different actor and or actress. And the thing, honestly, and I've said this, I think on this podcast before, I wish more biopics would approach it that way to a, almost, especially if it's such a, about such a big, larger than life person. It's like, that's actually the best way to encapsulate that because they, it almost explains how that person represented was a different person, meant mm-hmm. something different to each, to each person. Mm-hmm. It, the funny thing was, I remember like, explaining the movie to someone while we were in college uh, or while I was in college at least. And they're like, so what's the movie about? It's like, well, well, which one's like Bob, Bob Dylan. I'm like, Kate Blanchett is like the most (laughs) that's like Bob, Bob Dylan. But then like his, uh, his Christian phase is played by Christian Bale. Um, I forgot what phase Heath Ledger played, but I was like, if you want like the one who's like doing the most Bob Dylan, it's Kate Blanchett, but it's not like, it's not like funny. It's like you you totally believe that like oh yeah this is this is Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. Um then he did the uh and I remember this was like hype when when again this came out when I was in college. Uh Mildred Pierce the the miniseries uh with uh Kate Winslet. That was the first thing of his I saw and I didn't know who he was at all, but that's what I saw first. Uh M, did you get a chance to see Mildred Pierce? I did not. The first Todd Haynes related thing I saw was Far From Heaven, and that was actually in one of my college classes. And I ended up watching it again for a different class as well that same semester. Mm-hmm. So, so really cool there. And then I saw Carol when it came out. What did you think of Carol? Instant M? Christmas classic. Ah, well there we go. Instant Christmas classic. There we go. <laughs> Instant. Like I have not seen Carol. Really? Yeah, I, really? I have not seen Carol. Wow. Carol is one of. Uh, say what? Here's what I'll say about Carol. Carol has some of the most literally gorgeous, and I do mean, like I know you can call a lot of different cinematography gorgeous, but this cinematography is like a. Um, a, a jewelry box. It's so pretty and just, it's got, it's not just shiny. It has age to it too. It's really, really impressive. But the movie as a whole is so, is just very comforting to watch. It's sad, but there's a comfort it kind of brings um, in its own, in its own right. Uh, <clears throat> so definitely worth a watch. So this is kind of, a- yeah. And I think a lot of that, I think a lot of that has to do with one Kate Blanchett's performance, which Kate Blanchett had one of the greatest actors period of our generation, male or female, but also the, just the coloring to echo C's jewelry box analogy. He, there's a lot of candy colors in there and it's really echoing what people seem to remember most fondly about the 1950s with the undertone that hey everybody who was kind of marginalized at that time and to some extent still is today they still wanted a piece of that they still wanted that comfort and joy and candy coated jewelry block box for themselves as well you know they just wanted their own fair share mm-hmm. so this is kind of embarrassing but I didn't even know Carol was directed by the the director of I'm Not There. Um, I I don't you know sometimes how you watch stuff and you don't it doesn't really register who the director is. Like I didn't even realize like the name Todd Haynes until like Wonderstruck. And the only reason I saw Wonderstruck was because uh, it had the the one of the, one of the children in that movie is is the the daughter the oldest daughter in a, a Quiet Place. And I was like, oh, it's the girl mm-hmm. from a quiet. I had just seen a quiet place. And I was like, oh, this came out last year. Oh, let me watch it. Oh, this is really, I, I like this. This is good. Uh, and then later on, ironically enough, C mentions to me, like maybe a couple years later, C mentions to me, oh, there's this movie with Mark Ruffalo called Dark Waters. And it's by the guy who did Carol. And I'm like, oh, is that a new guy? He's like, no, that guy's been around for a while. And he started listing all the Todd Haynes movies. I'm like, oh my God, I've seen that. And then he goes, he, he also did a movie with like, with called Wonderstruck and I was like, oh, I've seen that. So that's when it kind of hit me like, oh, this is who Todd Haynes is, right? Um, and it, it's just because, you know, there's so many. I didn't, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that I was a piece of that. I mean, I remember I was telling you that, but I didn't, <laughs> what I mean by that is I didn't realize that like it, 
it put it all together for you. I thought I just made you realize, oh, that he direct that was the well, that well, Todd Haynes made Carol. I didn't realize I connected all the dots. Well, n- not just that. Like, you were the one who made me realize, like, yeah, he's like one of the most celebrated gay filmmakers in he America. Is, yeah. yes. And I was like, wait, he's gay? and and, and you go like and you go like yeah if you watch velvet goldmine he's or if you watch like carol and stuff he's gay i was like oh you know but i i I, todd haynes is one of those filmmakers that i have a blind spot on so i'm I'm trying like i'm trying to get around to watching his stuff from the 90s and obviously i want to watch carol and dark waters and stuff but um no so I think it was really shocking. You and a lot of other people, because Carol is the closest Todd Haynes has ever come to gaining a Best Picture or Best Director nomination. I will bring that up in more detail a little later when we start talking about May, December. Okay, yeah. Okay, fair enough. All right. So um, with that said, I think we've said enough about Todd Haynes in general. Um, Mm -hmm. One little thing I do want to mention about May, December, and then we'll watch the trailer and then we'll give our reviews. So... May, December. Uh, it is pretty much, and the, you know, I mean, I'm not saying anything controversial. Uh, the, the film is basically about this actress who's, uh, who's trying, who's kind of trying to study a subject matter of, a, or the person whose role she's playing. She's portraying them in a movie. And this, the, the woman, the real woman is uh, Julianne Moore's character is pretty much, an unauthorized uh, representation of one of the most infamous cases of, of one of the weirdest cases of child abuse in American history, or at least in modern American history. And that's the tale of uh, Mary Kay uh, Letternow. Letternow? Yeah, Mary Kay Letternow. Uh, she was basically uh, she was basically a, a school teacher who, when she was in like in her 30s, uh, had an affair with a 12 year old in, I believe, Washington state. Um, it's what started the, the conversation about these cases that would, that would crop up. Yeah, there's other, there's other movies that reference it, but never explicitly state that this is who it's about. So basically what made the case so infamous was the fact that she got caught with, with the, with the, with the teenager, and uh, got a, was sent to jail, and when she got out, they got caught again. She went to jail even longer, but what made the case super infamous was that she got pregnant by him and had his baby, and a ton. And I mean, a t- like look up Mary Kay Letternow late night. A ton of late night hosts were making jokes about this whole situation. I mean. It, the joke got so big that Adam Sandler kind of turned a whole movie in, about the whole situation into it called That's My Boy. Um, and the whole thing is played for laughs. Um, if you look at a picture of uh, of Letternow, like the mo- the famous picture of Mary Kay Letternow, and you look at some of the newspaper clippings in May, December of Julianne Moore, th- she's literally playing Mary Kay Letternow. Um, that's really it. Now, obviously, this isn't a actual biographical film uh names are changed uh, the situation's changed just enough that uh that the young man whose life this is kind of taking from he can't really have a leg to sue but if you watch this especially like because like no joke uh the 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 lead or the male lead in this uh Char- charles melton you look at him and you look at uh, at mr i believe his name is uh vili fulanau you look at them and you're like, oh, this is totally about their whole situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, let th- this is a very weird thing. Mary Kay Letternow actually died, I believe, in 2020 from cancer. And uh, if anyone's interested in looking up that case, because this was this was like a pop cultural like scandal in america in the 90s like mm-hmm. i i remember it was that it was that in the oj simpson case basically. yeah those were, yeah those are yeah. the two big 90s cases yeah yeah like you see you're totally right i don't know uh uh m did you remember i mean I, I actually don't really know like how old you are exactly but do you remember anything about that case because i i have snippets of it in my memory because I, I remember like watching some late night shows and they would make jokes about it. I, I don't. Do you remember anything from that? So 
I would have been two when this oh, okay. when this uh, okay. whole thing initially started happening. So no, I don't remember a damn thing okay. about okay. it. Okay. okay, but but Em, it is fair to say you've you've heard different media, TV reference. A teacher. I mean, you've you've seen that's my boy, right? Yeah. yeah. Wait, you yeah. have? Thankfully, no. Oh, okay, okay. Thankfully, but, no. I have not but, seen that's my what, boy. What I'm saying is, you've seen TV movies, what have you, reference an older female teacher having a very inappropriate relationship with a, with a, one of her students, right? That's where most. Oh of yeah, this... fucking South Park made fun of it. In fact, I think that's what South Park was referencing. Am I with uh, with uh, with Kyle's brother? I think is what they did instead. Yeah, yeah that's the I, one remember I, was that. Thinking I remember that. I remember that. So I so point being. Um, is that you may not remember the case, but you you've you are aware of its references. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, very much so. This is what happens when I binge watch a lot of animated sitcoms that got started in the '90s. Yeah, and you kind of see a time capsule <laughs> of every era that they're satirizing. No, 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 that's totally true. I remember. Um... I remember where where there was like a Simpsons episode that kind of made fun of the whole situation. Um, I, I distinctly remember that, and I, I, I can't remember the title though. But I remember it involved Bart, and it involved like a substitute teacher, is what I recall. But anyway, anyway, okay, guys, how's about we watch this trailer for uh, a Todd Haynes movie that to me is uh, kind of out there, and uh, we start giving our thoughts on the movie. How's that sound? Sounds good. Let's do it. How do you choose your roles? I want to find a character that's difficult to, on the surface, understand. Were they born or were they made? It's such a pleasure to meet you. You are so sweet. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for doing this. It's so generous. Well, I want you to tell the story right, don't I? You're taller, you look taller on television, but we're basically the same size. We're basically the same. Feels like things just settled down and now y'all are making a movie. It's a very complex and human story. I think it's hard to trust that you're gonna represent Gracie as she was. I'm gonna try. Do you remember when you first met? You came to the pet store looking for a job. A summer after sixth grade? Seventh. Why do you want to play me? When they sent me the script, I thought, here is a woman with a lot more to her than I remember from the tabloids. What would make a 36-year-old woman have an affair with a seventh grader? People, they like see me as a victim. I wanted it. I already have an idea of what it must have felt like. What? Sneaking around with you. I shouldn't have said that. Why would you want to play someone who you think is a bad person? It's the moral gray areas that are interesting. She's getting on my last nerve. She's just everywhere I look. Why can't we talk about it? If we're really as in love as we say we are? Insecure people are very dangerous, aren't they? That piano solo is getting on my last nerve. No, it is. I've heard it everywhere now. <laughs> it's Oh right. my god. Oh my god. Um I what how do I put this? Uh I I like the Todd Haynes movies I've seen before. And I'll say this. I haven't seen like his more, I guess you could say his more queer entries in movie making. But he always struck me as a guy who's like, you know, pretty, pretty straightforward. This has now kind of thrown me for a loop. And I'll explain why in my review. But M, you're our guest. How's about you open up with your thoughts on the film? So I saw the movie back when it first hit Netflix at the beginning of December. 
which which before I actually get into my thoughts, I think it's rather ironic that a movie called May December pre premiered at the Cannes Film Festival in May and then hit streaming in December. I think that's a not I think it's a little humorous. I don't know how intentional that was on their part, probably not at all, but but just something fun to point out. Um, Definitely. I'd... I liked the movie. I liked the movie, but if I'm going to be completely honest, I'm not surprised at all that it is losing steam on the awards circuit. As we're recording this, it got completely shut out of the um, Screen Actors Guild nominations, and... Charles Melton, the guy everybody was rooting for to potentially get an Oscar nomination for this movie, he got shut out of the BAFTA long list, so he didn't even make the top 10 for BAFTA. And I can't really say I'm surprised because this is so, as C put it, off-kilter. Even for Todd Haynes, like, as a straight person myself, this feels like the least quote-unquote queer of Todd Haynes' filmography because it's not even about it's not even about queerness at all, at least from where I was sitting. Mm. No, I but yeah. even but even beyond even beyond that, there were definitely undertones of like how far as an actor can you get into the character before before you start to actually become the character, or the character takes over, or the subject takes over, or, and, and like one of you brought up Heath Ledger earlier because something similar happened to him, ultimately causing his untimely end. But without spoiling anything, that's a big theme that shows up a lot in May December, especially as you get through. Like, how her relationship, not just with Julianne Moore's character, progresses, but also her relationship with Charles Melton's character, and where that ultimately leads. I think... Mm. Go uh, ahead, C. So, this, this movie, I, I remember hearing about it, and it was just... It really made a splash in the festival circuit. That's really where this movie hit its mark like everyone that was somebody was saying you're not gonna effing believe what this movie's about and they're like talking about how weird it is and how strange it is but how brilliant it is like nobody can shut up about this movie and i'm like okay then well netflix bring it on and i finally watch it um i should add that our, our good friend Jay actually joins me about halfway through with the movie. Uh, he was busy doing other things, but he joins me about halfway through and watching it. And we're just sitting there, and it's getting weirder and weirder and weirder. And at one point, Jay asks me something along the lines of, Is there anything I missed? And I'm like... It wouldn't help at all. You, you'd be just as, you'd be just as freaked out as I am. Uh, you'd be just as freaked out either way. Um, so I will say though, there is one thing this movie does that I actually think another film attempted to do, and this movie far succeeds in what it does. This movie is what Saltburn tried to be in so many ways. Mm. Um, this movie is, you know, actually, and let me be more clear. I am. This is not. This is not going to be giving a hundred percent favorable favorable review of this movie, but I have to acknowledge the craft that was put forth here. That Todd Haynes definitely did something subversive, and Saltburn just tried to be subversive, but was very surface level. Nah, this actually went there. I cred cr credit in that sense to this movie. So that's just one thing I wanted to add is that this this actually does go to very strange places. It's it's just a question of whether you like the places it goes. That's what I'll say. Uh so so um I I I think when I when when you know I think when people talk about queer cinema, or at least American queer cinema, 
there's always this kind of expectation or this assumption that, oh, well, there's going to be camp, right? Now, obviously, a lot of queer filmmakers, a lot of gay filmmakers kind of break this mold. I think famously Gus Van Sant broke this mold early on with the with the with the kind of queer wave that happened in the early 80s. Um, but but camp was kind of kind of this thing that people like because you had guys like um, like John Waters, who was basically mm-hmm. the master of camp. And he he would he would tell you himself, like, I'm a gay man. And because camp and, and, and homosexuality are so intertwined, like I feel like it's a prerequisite that I be a master of camp. And, and he undoubtedly is. Although, to, if I may add real quick, he then notably for at least a couple, at least two of his movies, while certainly there were campy elements to it, he definitely intentionally for at least a couple of his movies went the opposite direction to almost show he could do other oh, things. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well, the thing was, the thing was with uh, with Todd Haynes is that like, and I have again, I haven't seen his more explicitly queer entries, but the mo- like the first five minutes of no, no, let me let me rephrase that. The first five seconds of this movie, I'm like, because our listeners have have listened to the trailer. The trailer is pretty straightforward. Kind of plays it off as like this this kind of weird drama. Um, and when you kind of piece together what it's all about, you're like, okay, this is going to be weird. This is going to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then literally the the score from The Go-Between, which was a British film in the 70s, starts playing. And I'm just like, like the the credit, like the, the intro credits start playing. And I'm like, what is happening? What is this? Like, 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 like a smile wanted to break out of my face because I was just like not expecting that, that stuff. And um, the, so the the film play plays out right again. This is this is a story about a, a, an actress, a television actress, who's studying a person who she's going to be playing in a movie. Uh, this person, Julianne Moore's character, basically had an affair with a with a with a thirteen year old, and now they're married. And you're like, oh, this is going to be weird. And the levels of camp in this film. It's just so startling because you're you're not expecting that because you're you're like okay Todd Haynes is gonna treat this pretty seriously, and then there's just this level of black comedy un- under the whole film that I was just like what is going on? I don't... But it's a black comedy that isn't funny. That's the weird well, thing. Well, I think that's what's setting people off about it. Yeah, yeah. That that that's exactly where I'm going with this. See, it's not funny. It's not supposed to be funny. You're just really uncomfortable, and I think that's one of two things. Um, mm-hmm. So this was uh, primarily written by writer Sammy Birch, who was actually like her had a career as a casting director. Came up with an idea for a for this movie, wrote it with her husband, who is a writer, Alex Mechanic. Well, he they just worked on the story, and then she wrote on the full on screenplay. And she has said in multiple interviews, and she's actually some people think she might actually get a nom for for best original screenplay. Uh, she has said in multiple interviews. I don't see it. Uh, she has said in multiple interviews that uh, that she wrote this with 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 some really 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 dark humor in the script. I'm really interested in seeing that script. Um, ironically enough, her next writing assignment was Coyote versus Acme, the, fam- <laughs> the famous uh, <laughs> Warner Brothers movie that they shelved. Apparently, and apparently everyone says that's the that's comedic gold. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, but Todd Haynes. Wait, didn't they shelf it and then put it back on the release schedule, or, and then shelf it again? Yes. Like, which is it's it? Are, family, is it coming it's, out or it's not? It's the Family Guy of movies. It gets brought out, canceled, brought out, canceled. It's so. So <laughs> my understanding right now, my understanding right now with Coyote versus Acme, is that uh, Warner Bros. Discovery is shopping it around to because they just don't want to release it. But if someone wants to pay them, really, yeah, it's it's because because. Because everyone who's seen it says it's brilliant. And I know that sounds really weird to say, but that's what everyone's saying. Everyone in the industry, that's what they've said. They said, oh, uh, uh, Coyote v. Acme will will blow anything Looney Tunes that Warner Brothers has done out of the water. That's they say. That's what they say. But anyway, uh, but Todd Haynes. I am morbidly curious to see that now. We all are. So, uh, so Todd Haynes literally said that, like, they'll ask him, like, so about the campy elements in your movie. And he goes, like, he says with a straight face, like, what camp? 
And, and literally, Exa- exactly. Literally, someone played him the, 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 the now viral meme scene. We're gonna need more hot dogs, and he goes like, "That's not campy." He's no, he. This man is. Um, what is the word I'm looking for? He, he is tr- no. Todd Haynes is trolling the world right now. Okay, he is trolling us at this point. He knows what he's doing, and he's he's playing. He's acting like the people in the movie. That's the thing. He is trolling us. I'm convinced of it. And and, and ultimately, and I agree with you. See, when you said this is like being subversive, it's it's a giant troll about a subject matter that's really messed up. But then here's the thing that makes this even such a, I don't want to say a hard watch, but a, but a befuddling watch. I don't know, Em, if you would agree with this either, is that Try me. the performance of Charles Melton, his character, the arc of his character, literally everything else is camp and weird and like off kilter and stilted. But his arc, his arc of realizing Oh, what happened to me was fucked up is so real and so sincere and for me at least so authentic that I'm just like, what fucking movie is this? There's literally a scene in this film where he has where where he has kind of confronts what happened to him. Right. And that scene Mm -hmm. is so riveting and so horrifying. Like I was literally horrified. And he literally, in the most evil way possible, gets ga- gas gaslit into say, saying like, no, 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 no. This was all my fault. It's fucked up. Folks, it is fucked up. I had to stop the movie because I was like, I, no, no, fuck <laughs> that shit. And literally, literally maybe five or two minutes later, there's a scene between Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore that's so like weirdly not funny, but... Is it supposed to be funny, odd, that I was like, what is this movie? I don't know. Did, 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 did something similar happen to you guys or, or is this just me? I'm I'm not sure because I went into this movie not expecting much in the way of camp. You know, like I expected it to be mostly serious and, and like while it's not completely serious, I would say it tends to be more subdued, except for some of these bigger moments that you were just referring to, like when when Melton confronts Portman, or sorry, when Melton confronts Julianne Moore and she gaslights him, or a scene earlier between him and Natalie Portman that kind of just happens out of nowhere. I think you both know which scene I'm talking oh, yeah. about. Oh, yeah. oh, of course we do. Yeah, but that was like, yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sure what everybody else was expecting with this movie. And honestly, when you asked me to join you for this review, I thought, oh, I'm probably gonna be the one out of the three who has the least nice things to say about it. So far, I feel like I'm the guy with the nicest things to say about I, it. Listen. Because I actually did really like all the performances. The acting in this movie is really good across the oh, board. The oh, great. no, no. The, yeah, the acting's great. The, the, acting's... Way, the production and acting and, like, the, the things that make this movie the movie are all great. That's what's really got us so twisted here. It's, it's, it's everything around the performances where you're like, what is this? Like, it's just the script. I... But you can't even say the script's bad. It's just the script is so... It makes you, you this movie. You, this movie is like someone who got a comedy and was like, you know what I should do? Take it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like seriously, it's like you know some. Sometimes that works. Deadpan humor, where you just take a joke, treat it seriously, and run with it to its logical conclusion. You know, deadpan morbid style humor. That can be really funny, but this is not that. This, well, you know what this is? Sorry. This is, so if you guys ever watch The Office, there's always these awkward pauses mm-hmm. where Jim yeah. will like look into the camera. <laughs> yeah. If, yes. if, if this, this movie is all, any moment that might be construed as potentially funny, are it's all just that, and then it gets serious again, kind of. 
and then someone says or does something weird. And that's what it is. Like, I just picture, I want to take a clip of Jim looking at the camera, but play that piano part that we hear all the time. And I just want to like, but he looks at the camera. It's like, that's what this movie is so much. There's a, there's a, I can send that to you guys tomorrow. There's a, there's a scene in this film where like, like, uh, uh, Natalie Portman. And I think this is Natalie Portman's strongest scene in the movie where she, she basically gets one of the letters between the characters of Julianne Moore and Charles Melton and she reads the letter out loud to practice doing Julianne Moore's accent. And like, and this isn't a spoiler. It's in the trailer. Julianne Moore's character has, has a lisp, a, a pretty, pretty prevalent lisp. Like the more she gets upset, the, the more, the more like the, the more noticeable the lisp gets. So Natalie Portman starts with the, with the lisp. And it's like, I, I had to laugh. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's, that's not very subtle. And then you start paying attention to what what she's saying and you're just so horrified because it's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's immoral. It's it's wrong. And I was just like, but that lisp, that really bad lisp, which which is the point. She's 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 practicing like Mm -hmm. and it was this thing where I'm like, what 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 is this? Is is this like am I am I supposed to kind of be like, oh, this is really dark, but kind of humorous? Because, like, the balance, like, to me, to me, the balance was just so, and I hate, I, we've been saying this a lot, or at least me and C have, it's so off kilter, where, like, I feel like a, a filmmaker who's not trying to troll you, maybe, would be like, okay, there is a dark humor to this, but let me, let me not, like, play this too, let me not have Natalie play this too hard, because then it's just going to throw people off, Right? But then again, but we're like, already thrown off. But 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 the monologue is so so horrifying that ultimately Natalie Portman's performances is just it's just great. It's so weird because like at first I was like, is this funny? No, this is this is like this is like bad taste. This is really good in a really fucked up way. And that that's kind of <laughs> That's kind of how I was acting. The only time where I'm not thrown off was when Charles Melton was doing his performance. And guys, it's so crazy to me. He was in Riverdale before this. I know, that's wild. Fucking Riverdale! Also, apparently for the role, he put on 40 pounds for the role. And he still looks good. Well, of course he does, so we don't get to escape He he, He's like, okay, add 40 pounds to a Riverdale body. M, have you ever seen Riverdale? I have not. I read Archie comics <laughs> when I was a when I was a preteen. So that's about all the Archie and Riverdale I know. And I know that the show is just all kinds of darker in compare so, to so, that. It just didn't. So Riverdale kind of is the epitome of like CW body jokes, which was that if you had a show on the CW, even if it took place in a high school, like uh, all the all the kids in the high everybody school, everybody had to be. Uh, Everybody had all the high school, all the high school nerds had to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Supernatural did the same thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. And Charles Melton was was like a jock in that TV show. I'd never seen it. I just, I just. So he he had like ripped, ripped abs. He gains forty pounds, and he st- he still looks he like still someone. Lo- he still looks great. It's he like... still looks amazing. Um. But looks, I mean, I'm not going to deny that. He does look really he good. He just looks more human. That's the only difference. It's like, oh, you look more attainably realistic. You, you, you know what it is? There's an artificiality with Julianne Moore's character and Natalie Portman's character. But that makes sense. That makes sense for their characters, right? Uh, the artificiality... Yeah, because they're both extremely manipulative. Exactly. So Charles Melton plays his character very, very humane and vulnerable and real. And I think that's why initially... Uh, he was he was kind of such a dark horse for best supporting actor. Where I'm not gonna lie, that's that his final scene. I was like, I was like, honestly, this guy could give uh, this this guy could get up there, could be in the list of names called with Robert Downey Jr. and Ryan Gosling. Like that's what that's what I was thinking because I'm like, this is just this is 
this is quite an introduction to, to the mm-hmm. guy, right? Like, I, I wasn't at, like, I was just shocked because it, it's this whole thing where I'm like, I just don't know what what's the movie's intentions, if it has any, you know? It, it's so befuddling. That being said, that being said, and Em, I, I know you probably think, oh, he hates the movie. I It's not that I hate the movie. I, I definitely am not in love with it. But it's, I'm definitely, like, I'm just bafflingly intrigued by the movie. Because the decision, the creative, especially with the music, the creative decisions Todd Haynes does in this film is so puzzling. But ultimately, it's still this thing where I'm having an experience that I honestly can say I've never had with a movie of 2023, much less a Netflix movie of 2023. I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Well, I think I can tell you what his intention was with this. Todd Haynes wants an Oscar, plain and simple. The problem is, it damn sure ain't gonna happen with this movie. If it if it didn't happen with Carol, and if it didn't happen with Far From Heaven, then it's not gonna happen with May December. Carol was the closest thing, as I mentioned earlier, the closest thing Todd Haynes has ever come to a Best Picture or Director nomination at the Oscars, and he didn't, and that movie didn't get either. So, like, why would I have ever believed that this movie was going to get Oscar buzz, major Oscar buzz now? I'm not surprised at all that the buzz is dipping down. I was actually more surprised when it was getting some buzz, like, for the Golden Globe for Best Comedy, which, really, that's a comedy? <laughs> is it? Is, I, I, think I don't know. That. I don't know. Is no. it trying to be? <laughs> or, or the American Film Institute? Said it was one of the top ten films of the year. Really? That's a shocker even to me. Do, doesn't American but Film Institute always choose like like their list is always a little off? They tend to be a little more populist. Okay. Like these are the same guys who also this past year put Across the Spider Verse on their top ten list. Oh, whoa, and whoa, 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 I'm not gonna whoa, go into my whoa, tangent on those. Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not this isn't a, I, I'm I'm uh, not gonna I'm not gonna have that conversation here. Okay, because I'm about so. to say there's what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. But, <laughs> but I, I I gotta say though, I gotta say. On like so and I fully admit I have never seen Carol. Um, so the the this but the stuff I have seen from Todd Haynes, I'm like, okay, this is guy. This guy's pretty straightforward. I, I I he's pretty straightforward. He's he he's really good at what he does. You know, I I always get him confused with the guy who did Spotlight. Um, who who's the guy who did McCarthy? McCarthy, yeah, Todd McCarthy. Yeah, Todd McCarthy. Yeah, I, I like I, that was actually the same year Carol yeah, came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like, because Todd McCarthy also did the Station Agent, right? Yes. Yes. So I, I'm always like, yeah, the two Todds, they're pretty straightforward. Uh, I, my theory, and this is just a theory, is that because he's like, I've been, I've made a lot of straightforward films since Carol. Like, Dark Waters is my understanding. Like, see, you told me Dark Waters is. A pretty straightforward like thriller drama, right? It's it's I would say it's his most straightforward mm-hmm. film, actually. And and like Wonderstruck was very straightforward. I'm I'm almost wondering if he's like he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna go balls to the wall like weird. Well, not even weird, but I'm just gonna just like you said, I'm just gonna make this like a Dutch angle experience. See see if that catches anyone's attention. Cause it did. I mean I mean it caught the intention of TikTok, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Yeah, yeah. Th- this should this should show my age a little bit, but I never had any interest in. TikTok. I, I don't have a TikTok, so either. I don't. None I have no us. idea what's trending. There. No, I, 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 I don't know either. But I, I'm still on other social media, and that's it is kind of funny. I had no intention of making May December its own episode. Like I, I was telling C, like yeah, if you get the chance to watch May December, we're gonna do it in our big like recap episode of some movies we just didn't do an episode on. And then, like, it just went viral, and then Charles Melton was getting a lot of heat at the time. His, like, stock was rising, and I was like, hey, let's – we try to usually have, like, hot Oscar movies as their own episode. Um, just, unfortunately, this episode's being produced as the stock is kind of dipping. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm honestly, like, happy it's its own episode because yeah. I've I've never – 
experienced a movie like this. And definitely not from like a guy named Todd Haynes. Right. Like, like this is, this is, this is the, you know what this is? This feels like here and hear me out when I say this, cause I'm, I'm, this is third wave queer cinema. Okay. Ooh. Where it's, we're now getting, so we were is in. Is this camp. ironic camp? Well, it's here. Here's, let me, let me explain. This is now, this is the first potentially third wave queer cinema in the sense that first we had camp. Okay. And a lot of it because the production budgets were really low. So you had to be shocking and interesting. And let's face it. John Waters is the king of camp. He always will be. Um, there's rumors now he's actually working on another movie after years. That's got to be its own episode when that comes out, good or bad. Then we had the queer cinema reaching its auteur status, where you have directors who, yes, they're queer, uh, but they are making movies that aren't necessarily queer in their subject matter or you even have writers directors actors they're entering in queer cinema in different ways and it's not meant to be campy so to speak um and you you'd have this back and forth of camp not camp camp not camp and and second wave has been that sort of battle back and forth now we're entering this third wave what i can only describe yeah as a third wave of queer cinema where it's just different it's just different and we don't have the vernacular the experience or anything else to process it yet because this is is the first one okay this is the first one because what's going to happen now is in the next over the next five years we're going to be saying oh yeah it's it's you know we haven't even come up with a genre name for may december yet so well, that's that's unfair. That's too far, or subgenre name. That but that's too far. But in the sense that how we say, oh, this is giving this kind of a vibe. But you know what other movie kind of really people like really shook up people a lot when it came out in this same way where they didn't know how to feel of it, about it. But it took years later they realized it was actually brilliant and like amazing. A little movie called *The Graduate*. Okay, the way we're talking about May mm-hmm. December is exactly, and I mean, fucking exactly, the way people were talking about *The Graduate* when it came out. Because I was talking to my dad about this, and he's like, "No, this is what this is. It's people were having the same discussion about it because it's it's a similar. Okay, it's not similar to be clear, but it's in the sense that it's consensual. But it, it's sort of this taboo sexual." pseudo-sexual movie that's dealing with a very uncomfortable subject matter, but dealing with it in a way that is at times funny, but also genuine. And now we can look back at The Graduate and be like, oh yeah, this is such a dark comedy, it's brilliant. But back then, people didn't know what the fuck to think when that thing came out. It it really fucked with people. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's what May December is doing now. For the record, I think The Graduate's a better movie, but I've had t- that movie has had time. Far better. Yes, but that movie's had time to age, to I, get to the credit. Yeah. You know, I was I was telling uh, I was telling a, a mutual friend of ours because um, uh, M, I'm not sure if you're aware, but there's a movie I severely dislike, like severely. Uh, Bo is afraid. I I hate that movie. I I wait I, before we go any further. M, how do you feel about that movie? I liked it. Okay, okay, okay. It was weird as okay, fuck. Okay, weird as fuck. Okay. So I totally understand why anybody would hate no, it. I, but I, I, yeah, I like. I it. hated it not for its weirdness, but for what I perceive to be its repetitiveness. It's 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 too it's it's unwieldy scale, and ultimately it's 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 running time. Um, the person in front of me in my Bo's Afraid screening got up and said. That was the most pretentious piece of shit I've ever seen. <laughs> I no, I I turn to see and I go like I go like I I think I'm gonna kill Ariaster for wasting three hours of my life. <laughs> but but anyway 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 Ariaster, I'm not actually gonna kill you. I actually think you're a brilliant director and a pretty damn good producer. But I was I was telling someone I was you know 
I feel like May December makes me feel what what Bo is afraid was trying to make me feel. And the thing is, May December does it with like 90 minutes less <laughs> and uh, and sig- a significantly smaller yep. budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I gotta give the movie credit for that <laughs> because ultimately it's still not an experience I would like to re- revisit because again I had to pause this movie and just keep going like what the fuck over and oh over I'm again. never rewatching this movie again okay let me be clear <laughs> like I, I want one and done <laughs> I'm good <laughs> but um I mean I probably I probably won't either but I'm also the same guy who's watched Twelve Years a Slave twice why would you do that to yourself five times yeah. why I don't. You know, you know, you know, you know, you know, I don't know the answer to and this. Did you immediately regret that after you did it? Because I can't, I can't even rewatch. No, Schindler's that's List the thing. Third time. I didn't. You watched it. You, okay. I watched you it in school and I watched okay. it once in college and it's still that movie. That I'm like, that's too much of a bummer for me to watch. Yeah, it's, it's. Those are one and dones, but hold on. For the record, we're not comparing May December to Twelve Years a Slave or Schindler's List. Jesus Christ! I need to not talk. remotely. They're both they're they're both much better movies. Both by far. By they're both far. much better made. Anyways, just, anyway, yeah. uh, uh, M, you're our guest, and because this is your oh, first time, before before we do that, I'd like to bring up one more thing, and then we can go to that. Is that okay? Oh, sure, 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 sure. Um, I want to talk about the setting of this movie for just a second. For just sure, a second. Sure, sure. Floor is yours. So this movie is set in Savannah, Georgia, which um, it's fair to say, uh, Al, we, we lived in Savannah for a while, right? Yes. Okay. So Savannah, Georgia is an interesting, interesting place, okay? It is quite possibly the only – it's a weird city, okay, because it's – old it's really old it's one of the oldest cities in the united states it like ties with like i think i don't know but it's one of the oldest cities in the u.s and there's this very strange layering of different cultures in the city that are fascinating because savannah even has its own homeless that's different from the rest that i've ever seen okay they have these homeless like it's it's a lifestyle choice and they have pet cats on leashes. It's very strange. Oh, now now I'm mad again. <laughs> did you now I'm about, mad again. Did you forget about yes, that? Yes, I did. Wait, what? Oh, so, um, that's a whole thing. Uh, well, after cause, after cause Al, uh, am I correct? Cats on leashes. But, but and, Al, you've never uh, seen that anywhere else, right? No, no, no. So so and um, pretty much just to be quickly, these are No, I mean I've seen I've seen super fat squirrels where I live that are fatter than goddamn football. Well, we'll, we'll explain. We'll explain the whole situation in, in Savannah, like after after we we stop recording because it's, yeah. it's it's so dumb. But continue, Steve, continue. So my point is, but underneath, so it's got this weird. It's got multiple weird cultures interacting with one another in not even harmony in agreement okay they interact with each other in an agreement that they wouldn't be nobody would be down with them anywhere else they don't really like each other but they deal with each other but this town is also kind of simultaneously in denial and acceptance of itself in a really really strange way and actually there's one scene in this movie mainly and when i say denial and acceptance of itself is it acknowledges the history of the town, that being the a major city in the transatlantic slave trade, but also is almost denying its involvement in it in the sense that it's because it's still alive, because Lincoln, or more specifically Sherman, didn't burn it down, that that was almost some sort of divine forgiveness. Let me be clear. No one in Savannah has ever approached me and said what I've said. It just gives this vibe of like... We've been given a second chance. Let's honor it, almost. Um, And what really screams that is there is a scene where it's after dinner, okay? And basically, it was an awkward as fuck dinner that they had. And I won't go into why, but it really hammered in some points home. Where it's 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 a lot of people at this dinner. Well, yes and no. And... Natalie Portman's character steps out, and it's a fancy restaurant that they're at. Low-key, I've been to this restaurant. It is a fancy re- It is a fancy restaurant. And she steps out, 
and it's in the middle of this big park or out, just outside of this big park in Savannah called Forsyth Park. Beautiful park, lots of shrubbery there, lots of big trees with Spanish moss. Uh, Spanish moss, Google it if you don't know what it is. It's, it's, really, it's really interesting. But you see she's sitting out there, and I think she was smoking, or maybe just on her phone, I don't remember which. And she's talking with another character just about something particularly fucked up, which this movie seems to do a lot. And they're talking... And across the street in in Forsyth Park, you see this really well-dressed man with a cane pointing at different things and leading a group of tourists around and talking about weird things that are going on in Savannah. These are the infamous walking tours of Savannah, which there are a lot of. There are history ones, there are ghost ones, there are movie ones, and they're just these dudes who walk around dressed up as weird people, talking about weird things, and they're paid to do this. And I realized, okay, this is so synonymous with this whole town and synonymous with the movie because Todd Haynes very much lets you know that this is in Savannah, not like an advertisement for Savannah, but makes it clear where this movie's taking place. And I realized never has, well, not never, outside of filming a crime movie or a detective thriller in New York or Chicago, never has a location been more aptly chosen for those strange, perverse reasons. Because there is a beauty to it, but you're unclear how you're supposed to feel about it. So I had to bring that up because it was clearly a very purposeful and intentional choice on Todd Haynes' part. If any of you want to add anything to that, have at it, but I had to state my piece there. Um, I, I actually have nothing to add in regards to the setting. Do you, uh, M? I've never been to Savannah in spite of what Al initially thought, so I have nothing to add. Okay, so, uh, M, since you're our guest, we got to explain to you how our rating system works. Um, if you absolutely hated the movie, it sucked. If you are not enthusiastic about a movie, it's, it's a meh, a meh. If you are... Just the movie is just totally average. Gets the job done, just averaged. It's uh, it's a movie. If you really really enjoyed the movie, it's a flush. If this thing was the greatest thing made by mankind, that you'll never forget about this experience, it is a fox. And here's the thing: you can add your own little uh, uh, adjectives or adverbs in front of those statements and then just give a quick explanation as to why you think that way uh do you want us to go first in order for you to get a feel for it or are you confident in going first um i think i'm confident enough in going first Um, so i'm going to say i'm going to say this is slightly more than a movie like it is very well acted but the subject material is so fucked up and they try to play so straight with it that you're not really sure where you're not really sure whether you're supposed to laugh or not. I mean, in fact, we were talking about the Golden Globes calling this a comedy, and Critics Choice did not. And as we're recording this, the Critics Choice Awards are happening right now. And guess how many awards May December actually won out of the three it was nominated for? How many? Zero. Oh, well, there you go. Damn. <laughs> so, so good enough that I wouldn't complain about any of those nominations translating to the Oscars, but I would not be surprised at all if it just got shut out completely. So, it's slightly more than a movie. All right. See, how about you? Um, here's what I'll say. Here's the, here's the thing I'll say in my rating. This movie is emotionally sweltering. It's a movie. It's definitely a movie. Todd Haynes made a movie. But it is emotionally sweltering. You are sweating by the end of it, even though there's no condensation on your skin. So it is emotionally sweltering. This Uh, is a bewildering movie. Uh, I, I, I gotta say, Charles Melton is a revelation. Um, Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore always do good work, and this is kind of better than their average. But 
I'm just baffled. Like, I'm just baffled over the creative direction of this movie. I'm baffled over over kind of Todd Haynes' state of mind with this movie. I, I, I've never seen a movie, at least this, this past year, where I've been like, I, I want to laugh, but now I don't. Oh, I want to. Oh, now I don't. I, 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 it's, I'm baffled. I'm totally baffled. And you know what? I will say this for, for, for May, December. May, December swung for the fences in its own small scale way. Who knows if it succeeded? I think that's totally to the eye of the beholder. I think the three of us are kind of the same mindset that we're like, it, it hit some stuff and other stuff was just kind of what the hell. But, you know, I appreciate a movie that it hits for the fences and just doesn't miss so much that I just get mad like <clears throat> Bo is Afraid did for me. Or so for me, where it was rollingly, eye-rollingly pretentious like Salt, Saltburn did for me. Hmm. Was there ever a movie that did that for you, M, where it was like Swung for the Fences, but it just definitely just rubbed you the wrong way? Oh, I, I've seen too many movies. I don't know if I'd be able to think of one in recent memory that did that. I will say, though, I did not see Saltburn, so I can't really comment on on that. So I'll just take C's word for how pretentious Saltburn okay. is. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So that's that's been our review for May, December. Um, this has been What Do You Think? I'm Al. And I'm C. And I'm M. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody.